Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Terrell. And I'm Caleb. And today, we're dangerously likely to talk about the new normal. So you brought up a new normal. I'm assuming you probably mean something around quarantine. What's gotten you through quarantine so far? Well, Terrell, um, honestly, this show on HBO Max, so subscribe today, free sponsor. I was like, did they just get a free sponsorship out of us? <laughs> um, called Lovecraft Country. Literally the show that we've been watching nonstop for how many weeks? It's it's the seventh week. Wow. But by the time our viewers hear this, I think it'll be week eight. I think it will be too. Wow. Do you even know what's going on at this point? Because I personally feel like each episode's been its own show with the same title. Look, if any of you are planning to watch this, you should probably skip ahead by like five or ten minutes. What? No. Are we not going to talk about spoilers? What do you mean skip ahead by five or ten minutes? Like the first few minutes are the best part. (laughs) I'm talking about of our podcast. Oh, (laughs) my bad. So, so if you're like, oh my God, they're talking about Lovecraft Country and I really want to watch that. Skip. Yeah. Give us a five, five, give us five minutes to just talk about how crazy the show is. And who knows, maybe we'll have a spoiler here or there, but yeah, your safest bet is to just get to the, to the next section of the podcast. But Lovecraft Country is the craziest show I think I've ever seen. I think it's a great example of what would happen if J.J. Abrams and Jordan Pill came together. <laughs> yes, because all the freaky stuff is Abrams. It's chaos. But then also all the other freaky stuff is, is Jordan, Jordan. Pill. <laughs> so what's what's a good way to describe the show to the to our viewers who have no idea what it is? Hmm. It's it's set in the 1950s. We're pretty comfortable saying now. And it is a story about. This is a tough one. Um, a male. I, yeah. What? How do you describe this? What do you think is the, is the, the overall focus? broad theme of it all? Race in America, kind of? Race in America. Mixed with mythical wizardry stuff. Yes. It's a it's a great satire for a lot of social themes, whether it be race in America, um, women's rights and equality. I mean, we've even started getting into the topic of sexuality and those components. Like there's a lot happening in this show while it's all being covered with this lovely little magic fairy dust magic fairy dust but i can't tell if that magic fairy dust aspect of the show is low-key evil at the same time it's really hard to tell it's pretty evil i think it's evil it feels evil but you really don't know what the goal is and you know that there's one character that plays an integral role in it that you know at their core they aren't evil. Yes. At least you think they are. Yes. But like yes. two episodes ago, I have questions. because 
Yeah, no, I yeah. I mean like we saw we watched the first two episodes and the first two episodes alone could have been its own movie. Yep. And then the third episode, if I'm counting the episodes right, is just like a completely different same characters, but it's not the same not setting the same anymore. Level. Also, after you mentioned that, thinking of where the first two episodes were versus what we just watched. So night and day. I, yeah, I almost so- forgot that the first few parts happen if it wasn't for the opening scene of this episode. And this isn't like a completely different show either. Like there's a storyline. It's just very convoluted and we don't really have an idea or sense of how it's going to come together. It's almost like American Horror Story where you yeah. know all of the seasons have some component that brings them together. You're just waiting for that component. Now imagine that in one show in one season. And we're not even done with the season yet. No, we're not. No, we're not. We still have three episodes left. So catch us talking about this for a little bit. Absolutely. But would you recommend the show? Absolutely. If you look, look, the themes supply to every episode of race relations in America, mid to late 50s. Somewhere in that range. And and kind of this mythical like wizards, witches, magic kind of stuff going on at the same time. If you, if any of that interests you, I would give it a watch. And if it doesn't interest you, I would still, still give, it a watch. give it a watch. Also, because I know Caleb loves this part, the music selection has been phenomenal in oh, every episode. So great. even at the bare minimum, you get some really good music out of it. That's true. That's true. And it's interesting. Even the themes of music is like, like it starts old. And then it mixes between old and new music. Mm-hmm. Recommended. 100% recommended. We're dangerously likely to recommend that show. Yes. So I kind of brought this up at the start, but Caleb, what has the new normal been like for you? What has the new normal been like for me, Terrell? Well, Honestly, um, when COVID first kind of shut everything down, I was very, like, I knew it was necessary, but I was also disappointed, probably just like everybody else. That's kind of the interesting thing about COVID is everybody's been affected in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly have not gone through the worst of it as as some people have. Um, but at the same time, it was it's like, it's interesting and fascinating to me that even if it hasn't necessarily tragically affected me as of right now it's still it still has affected everyone in this world and for me like like i was in my final year at boise state yeah and um it was literally my last semester and like yeah the universe like we had an online uh graduation and that was pretty painful you know you kind of get to this point where where it's a little, it's it's kind of okay to be selfish. I, I feel a little selfish saying this anyways, but I know, I know it's okay to be, but it's kind of like, I deserve to walk across the damn stage. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew it was necessary, you know, I knew it was necessary for, for them to, to shut it down. Yeah, I mean, two-term student body president, if anyone deserved it, it was definitely you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Every Everyone who was graduating deserved it just as much as I Absolutely. did. But, you know, what happened is I just, I went home immediately and, and a couple, a couple things happened. I, I quickly realized a few things. I realized that 
um, working from home in terms of like, like being with my family and stuff mm -hmm. was both a blessing in disguise for me, but it was also, it also, I think, I don't want to use the word hurt. I think that's a little intense, but I definitely lost some focus and motivation in that time period. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I don't think that was because that wasn't because of my family. That was just because of world events. And I wanted to be on campus with everybody and it happened so fast. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I got extra months with my family that this is probably the last time I'll see them for that long of a period of time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely a blessing in disguise. Um, but at the same time I knew I needed to <laughs> kind of needed to get figure out what the next step of my life was because it ended so fast. Even opportunities that I had just kind of got swept away with the with the COVID stuff. So, so I mean, it took me a while to kind of get my head straight. Mm -hmm. And the new normal for me is like even now, like I'm still like all my classes are online. I still spend most of my time in my apartment in Boise. And so I've been. I don't know. Everyone tells you, Oh, make a schedule, make a schedule. I'm not great at doing that. I'm great at making a schedule when I have actual plans with people, but I'm not great at making a schedule for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've kind of this whole last like four or five, maybe six months now I've gone on and off with like, kind of like having a workout schedule and, um, even reading a book, you know, I'm, I used to be a really good reader, but now I just kind of am bad at it, but I did finish a book over the over COVID, just one <laughs> kind of fill out of it uh becoming by michelle obama highly recommend that one that was a great read um but yeah no i it's just kind of about figuring out like stuff for you mm -hmm. when you're alone right so i mean some of the stuff i did was yoga um, I had I actually started doing yoga before COVID hit mm. and i decided i needed to continue it um very pleased to find out that the nike training like club app all the premium stuff is, is now free yeah. they just they made it free for covid and then they just left, left it, free. it free so i you know i use that for yoga <laughs> i got a little yoga mat and i moved some stuff around uh, most mornings or i try to just try to do something active yeah um, what's your go-to pose oh god i'm not that much of an expert i really like okay i really like child's pose yeah, I was like, everyone has at least one pose that they love. I also picked up yoga in quarantine and hey, um, child's pose is just, it's so soothing. It's so comfy and I don't know, it's just, it's a good stretch for my back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my back feels a little weird. So, wow, I'm old. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just really about finding something to do for yourself. And um, I think... I don't think I'm perfect at it, but I have started cooking more. I have tried to do yoga more, although I don't have a perfect schedule for that either. Mm -hmm. um, I don't watch much TV at the moment. I kind of went through all the shows I wanted to watch, but um, even having more of a realization about how cultural TV shows and movies can be, mm -hmm. kind of thinking about that on a deeper level actually helped as well. And then of course, planning this podcast. I mean, and now I also have a bunch of homework too. So I do that. Yeah. I was going to say, what's, I think you very much can understand the stress that freshmen are feeling in high school and in college. You started an MPA in quarantine. You have a cohort that you meet with virtually. Like, what has that been like? 
Yeah, so that's actually been pretty interesting um, because with the cohort that I'm with, it's about, I'm, I'm going to butcher the number, I think it's around 46 um, other students that are with me. Um, and normally we, we would meet each other in person, which we technically did, but it wasn't the same because we had to socially distance and we were in our masks and all that. Um, but we meet everybody, you know, and then we have class together. So even if we don't meet everybody like right away, like we're still slowly getting to know each other through interactions in class and stuff. And we still kind of do that in, in our zoom classes right now, because everything's online, but it's not quite the same, or it's not how I imagine it would be if it was in person. And we have tried to like hang out. Um, a few of us have gotten together several times and stuff. Um, and that's been like a lot of fun. Um, but like, I still haven't met like, like in person, like half the people in that cohort. So, I mean, eventually we'll move to hybrid model. I think that'll help. Um, it's been interesting. I'm not like super worried about it. I know, I know that we'll have time to develop relationships. I just know that it's, this isn't the normal way that it would go if COVID wasn't a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's been a definitely, definitely a fascinating opening to the year. Mm -hmm. for sure in terms of graduate school but um i mean i think it's going well so far good yeah 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 but what about you trell it's a new normal like for you um i feel like if i had to describe everything that was happening both personally emotionally physically all the things I would just call it a roller coaster. I, very similar <laughs> to what, what you mentioned. Like, I remember. So, backstory to how quarantine started for me. Um, there are two events that stand out before all the stay at home orders happen driving down to Vegas for my mom's birthday. Um, being down there, remembering, like following the news and hearing that there's a virus that's picking up in China and there's concerns that that might spread and, 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 um, and remembering just like, it wasn't a thought on anyone's mind. Vegas was booming. We were having a great time. It was my mom's 60th. She probably hates that I just said that on this podcast, but here we are. <laughs> um, and then I drove back to campus and was a rough drive woke up very early the next morning from vegas yeah yeah that's i ran I into a snowstorm on the way back oh really and had it's to actually like more fascinating than that drive usually is yeah um <laughs> didn't know it snowed in northern nevada until i got stuck in one of the mountains and had to like pull over to the side and wait for oh, the wow. whiteout to stop um so I didn't get back into Boise until I think 7.30. Oh, wow. And text Charlie and was like, hey, I'm going to come in a little late because I just got home and need like two hours. Um, but then went to work and was having conversations. Wait, you drove with all night? Yeah. Wow. Super Bowl Sunday, actually. I was listening to the Super Bowl on Sirius XM as I was driving to Boise. Hit snow at maybe 11 30 ish did you were you still able to listen to the super bowl yes <laughs> that's all that matters. that was all that mattered <laughs> um and then then it yeah long drive rough time um but i just remember that and then the week before maybe even days before 
um, Boise State as an institution went virtual, I went for a wine tasting with some coworkers. And again, not a big fear. It's going to only take a few months. And, and, and. Uh, and next thing you know, we are all packing up our offices and going home and working from home and realizing that, all right, the rest of the semester into the summer, we're going to work from home. But probably by June, we'll be back in the office and things will be like they were before we would have made it. Yeah. Now we're on hybrid model into October. Um, <laughs> it's just been a roller coaster. It, I think there was a reflection that normal wasn't working for a lot of people. I, as we get into virtual learning, there have been some real cognitive thoughts around being ADA compliant, being thoughtful of individuals who are hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even on the reverse of that, we live in a state that has a lot of rural students who don't have access to internet and connection the same way that our California students might. Um, and there were just so many conversations that I never personally thought I would be a part of, but was so happy to see that in the worst way we were starting to have them. And maybe it's just the optimist in me finding the silver lining, but it's been a lot of that in the roller coaster of, Oh, this is one good thing. Even as something else happens from like, yeah. I would really be happy if this was over. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I would love to be back on campus or like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird to think if, if we had, I'm going to get political for a second, but that's what we do here. That's what we do. If we had, had, really set down the expectations of what we needed to do and implemented them fully back when this was starting to be serious. Like, I think I would have walked at graduation. Mm -hmm. I think that's a possibility. And even if I didn't, I still would have understood. But then I think by now we would, we would be Be in such a different place. Yeah. In such a different place. Maybe we're still learning mass and stuff, but, but if that's, if that was the only thing we had to do, If we had been true to the idea of staying at home until we knew more about the virus, until we had an ability to phase reopening, I know people are um, concerned because it would have done damage to the economy and all of those different aspects. But so many um, studies and just data finding missions have come out to prove that had there not been a push to reopen by Easter and then that goalpost gets set to move further down, Mm -hmm. we could have been in a different place. But on the reverse of that, making this a little bit more political, (laughs) I think about the fact that had things worked out as perfectly as I, I think a lot of us had become accustomed to, would we have had the same outrage around George Floyd? Would we be talking about Breonna Taylor the way we are? Would Ahmaud Aubrey have been in the headlines? Would we have the NBA making the statements that they are? And I mean, I obviously there's a bias here, but as an African-American male, am I in some way thankful that everything had to stop because for once voices and eyes voices were heard and eyes were focused on all the lives that have been saying since Mike Brown 
that the things that are happening in this country are not okay, are not justified, and there needs to be a better conversation around it. So while I'm frustrated, very much to your point that we, we didn't make the right move, I do question if we had, would we be back where we were of, oh yeah, that happened and now we're moving on. Oh, I can turn on a baseball game and not have to hear the news or see the protests. I can go to Disneyland and not have to read the newspaper and see all the outpouring about these things. And even more so, I don't have to hear about how our um, healthcare and medical field have racial undertones and why COVID has disproportionately impacted people of color. I, you know, while I agree, I just hate the idea that that COVID or something big that made us stay home is the reason why we're having a conversation about this as much as we are now. Absolutely. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way, mm-hmm. but we live in weird times and this country is, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It could be like five different countries at least. Oh yeah. There's just each segment is, experiencing and dealing with different things. And I mean, we are, we are marching toward one of the greatest challenges to the founding principles of this country, to the development of this great test that I know we always were talked about in elementary school of, what does what does an election look like during a pandemic, even though it's already happened? But even more so, what does it look like when there are so many issues and problems that the country is trying to process and just have not found an outlet to process them? Yeah, there's so many things. And is that the new normal? It's been six months. Is that the new normal? Are we the 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 this and now not everyone's there, there's still a lot of division. Yeah. But did this cause hopefully most Americans to look in the mirror and go, we need to have these conversations. We need to we need to do something about this. Or did it do the opposite? I guess we'll find out on November third. <laughs> I'm Hmm. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Wait, is this is this where we talk about the debate? Oh golly. <laughs> Do you want my actual reaction to the debate? You want to be able to cut and move things around from there? Look, by the time this to our to our viewers, by the time that this is coming out, it will have been about a week. A week and a day. Two days. Two a week days. and two days. Um, since the debate happened, um, the first presidential debate. We'll still be scarred by that point. Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Yes, probably. But by that time, we'll also have a VP debate under our... Mm, We will. Because that'll be next. That'll be on Wednesday, yeah. If I'm being completely transparent, the debate brought up the same emotions for me that the election did in 2016. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. How did you spend, what did you do 
for the debate. Yeah. Did you hang out with friends? Did you just watch it? Watched it at my apartment with my roommate. Um, Had some friends back in, well, oh, both of them are in Michigan right now. Had some friends back in Michigan that we were texting through it and we're playing a drinking game. Because <laughs> kind of need alcohol to get through that. How else do you get through it? I regret not, you should have. not having some alcohol. You should have. I took three shots before we were even halfway through the debate. Honestly, <laughs> what surprises me about that is that you didn't take more. There was a moment where I realized I needed to stop because <laughs> the game was designed to like oh these are things that may happen so we'll and then all of them were happening all of them were happening like consistently what? Give, me, give me some examples um one of them was trump goes on a ramble which yes oh, i understand on. come on i understand like that normally happens but it made a point to say like an inconsistent ramble that genuinely leaves everyone's stuff like it was very detailed of it was so far in the wrong that no one knew what to do next. I didn't know half of what he was saying. That happened multiple the, times. The $3 million thing that he kept I don't trying even to... Remember what that is that? Part. I don't even remember what that is. I I just... I don't know if I've heard of that. Like, it, it took me back to the election and the day after the election. I very rarely get emotional. Just yeah. the thing. Um, which has been a big thing that I've grown in quarantine of being a little bit more cognizant of my mental health and talking to people and letting certain things out. But the day after the election, I will never forget. I didn't handle it well, obviously. Um, but getting on a bus because my, one of my poli sci teachers decided for whatever reason that we needed a test the day after the election. Not like the entire poli sci department wasn't watching this election and he couldn't, anyway. Good God. That was a bad choice. Um, I remember getting up, getting ready, processing what had happened, getting on the bus, listening to music. I saw the flag waving as you come into campus. Um, Flags are everywhere, obviously, but there was one that was right on that path. And I physically broke down. And I got to our student union building, walked into our student life office to a GA that I was really close with and just started crying and couldn't stop. And they ushered me into an office and they're like, what's wrong? And I said, as much of a mess as I was, the country just voted and told me that they don't want me here. I am black <laughs> and he said a lot of things against that culture i am an individual who doesn't subscribe to a religion he's made it very clear that that doesn't matter i am a survivor he is accused of doing things all of the things and i really had a hard time processing that and this debate sent me back when chris wallace gave him the easiest question possible can you denounce white supremacy? And instead of doing that, he took the time to act like he didn't know who the group was, but then follow up with stand back and stand by a, a rally call, if you will, to say, oh, don't worry, it's coming. And not only that, before that question came up, he made an intentional effort to tell supporters that they needed to be at the polls this November. Yeah, poll watchers. Be poll watchers. What the hell is that? Make sure that the election happens and is legit legitimate 
for him and help him win. And then I just saw a post today where they're calling it the Trump army at the polls. And I just, there's such pain and anger and discomfort with words like that. But to, to take the moment and say that is coming from the president of the United States right now. And I, I need to somehow still wake up the next morning, be happy, put on a face, show up for people. It was, it was that moment that beyond the bickering and all of the other conversations that really ruined that debate for me. I think, you know, I, something that just really, and this is the, the, the debate and also just in general is, is our president has said so many inflammatory things and so many just things that are just plain wrong hmm. that it seems to have, I mean, it seems to have desensitized some of us, but also it, it people just decided to not listen to what he was saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if what channel you watched, but I ended up watching on CNN and they did their instant poll and they had undecided voters from Ohio or people that said they were undecided. And um, what was interesting was they went through, talked to people. How did they feel? It was a disaster. I didn't get any information. But there were two men who highlighted that because he had such a boisterous performance, they felt more comfortable voting for him this year because he could reassert that dominance for America and because he showed how weak Joe Biden was. And it was, again, that reinforcement of there there needs to be a better conversation. But even beyond that, there needs to be an acceptance that there is something wrong with those words and not everyone agrees to that matter. I mean, it's just like, listen to what he's saying. He sounds completely absurd. Right? Like, stand stand back and stand by. Like, even someone, even, even a, a voter that doesn't necessarily believe in Black Lives Matter knows that white supremacy is wrong. What does that tell them? But, I mean, does it matter when you have the... 1619 project being labeled as this anti-American propaganda and now wanting to indoctrinate people through the 1776 education program. Like it's so much bigger than even his words at this point. It's ingrained in all of these different aspects and institutions and I mean, you and I have had plenty of conversations about Mitch McConnell. Look at how he's using the Supreme Court right now to very well ruin and get rid of protections that minority populations have, that women have, that LGBTQ plus people have, just because he can now have a conservative on the Supreme Court who will vote down Roe v. Wade who will make a concerted effort to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, who also said some very inflammatory things about affirmative action. Granted, that has its own issues. Like, it, 
yes, you have one person that you can actually say right now, they are saying all the wrong things. We should be against them. But it's also showing that there are people around him and ingrained in our system that agree with it and just won't say it out loud. Yeah, I mean, and I, I personally, I didn't think that Joe Biden came off as weak in that debate. I would agree. Um, there was actually a couple things that kind of annoyed me a little bit. First of all, the idea that Trump is this strong man because he just interrupts everybody and nobody can talk to him is like, okay, so he's strong because of that. Um, I don't know. I just don't. That's not how I really view what a strong a strong man is. That, Maybe he's a strong man, but not a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and strong man in quotes there, but air quotes. But another, <laughs> I don't know. Another thing that just really kind of irks me about it is I think Joe Biden did very well for the circumstances he was given. I'm yeah. sure he probably prepared for Donald Trump to do some crazy stuff. Um, I'm not sure if he was expecting Donald Trump to overplay his own hand and just go super aggressively. Maybe he was, I'm not sure. Otherwise, I just remember getting on Twitter afterwards, which was probably always a mistake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, there's plenty of people saying, yeah, Donald Trump came in and he was interrupting and he was an asshole and blah, 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 which he was. But there was also plenty of people that were like, oh, like, how can we trust our system with two white men yelling at each other like five-year-olds? Mm-hmm. And like, I understand the sentiment that two white men are again running for president, especially right now. But at the same time, there was only one person that was yelling at somebody the whole time. And I think Joe Biden said it perfectly when he said, would you just shut up, man? It was the, it, that was the line that everybody's across the whole world has been saying. Also, if we want to talk about the new normal, let us not forget that there was a very diverse group of candidates in the Democratic primary. People chose to vote a certain way and pick certain people that led to two white men being on the stage, two white men. Also would like to point out that some of those people were voting for another white man over (laughs) the white female, the Asian American, African American Mm -hmm. female, the, the, other white male who um, is younger and more youthful, the African-American male, like, yes, I get the frustration. Our country is more diverse. There should be a better representation of that across the board, but we can't just call foul when we put ourselves in that situation sometimes. I agree. Like I know Joe Biden probably wasn't a lot of people's first choice, but well, I, I, we also keep saying that that he wasn't everybody's first choice, yet he still won the primary. A majority of Outright. people still voted for him. And like, while he might not be your first choice, there is no way, there is no way, even if you don't fully agree with Biden or even like him, there's no way you get to an America you want by voting third party or for Trump. There's no way, even if it's just an inch closer from a Biden presidency for you. Mm-hmm. There's no way you get closer at all with Trump, right? I mean, I've been posting this a lot lately. I wish I had the ability to not care about an election. <laughs> like to, Seriously. To be able to have that option, and I know that probably comes off as condescending, but 
I, I don't think it's condescending. I got into a very vocal argument with a really good friend um, because they started using those one-liners of he's not Joe Biden is not mentally competent. Kamala Harris is just going to be the president and he's just a puppet, blah, 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 blah. That's just falling into a narrative that was created by Donald Trump himself. And I very quickly clap back of you don't as awful as it is to say, you don't have an option anymore. You can't justify voting for this, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you pushing that narrative, you not wanting to vote for his um, rival, you thinking of leaving it, and leaving the president section empty or voting for a third party is further giving to that point of there's a privilege there and it it hurts to hear and it's rough but there has to be some onus that there are people right now who are genuinely looking at their ballots if they haven't already submitted them because vote early obviously um make a point of vote (laughs) And are petrified because if what happened in November happens again, they do not know what that looks like, what that could mean. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the, well, what if the Senate flips so they stop him? It's not even that because he's already shown through executive orders that he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's very obvious to me um, who Donald Trump cares about, and it's not any of us. Hmm. All right. I feel like we have to end this new normal on a high note. Granted, politics, <laughs> politics is a high note. There are hopes. There are some amazing candidates out right now. The squad showed, again, depending on your opinions, the squad showed that they are actually representing their constituents and came back with great results in their primary. Um, But we got to end up on a happy note. I got to say one more thing about this debate that I just appreciated. When Donald Trump, when Chris Wallace goes, will you condemn white supremacy? And Donald Trump is like, oh, Antifa, all this stuff, which Joe Biden is exactly right. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Not saying there isn't people who have identified with Antifa and stuff like that, but Joe Biden is correct about this. But what I really appreciated about that moment is, is Joe Biden sat there and said, then do it, then condemn it, do it. And I was like, yes, Joe. You can't forget there are good people on both sides. Oh God. Oh, good God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, high note time. I think, like I said earlier, I think um, with this new normal in quarantine, obviously I'm not um, in my home with my family right now, but it was a blessing to be with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the last probably two-ish years, um, you know how you kind of get out of high school and um, and if you are going to college or you are getting a job, like you're like, oh my gosh, finally mm-hmm. I'm out of the house. Like I'm not with the family. Like love them. Or maybe not. I don't know who you are. <laughs> For me, it was love them. Um, I do, but also like, like it's time for me to get out and move on. Mm-hmm. And like going home has always been fun, but 
I just always like, I just noticed myself going home and like immediately missing Boise State just because that was where my new life kind of was. And that's where my friends were. And, you know, I was doing stuff there. And when I got, when I went home, it was fun, but I was also like all of a sudden kind of not doing anything. And yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel. <laughs> but um, what I will say is that I think over the past couple of years, I've kind of started to realize the importance of holding my family and certain people closer, mm. you know, in mm-hmm. my life. And so I really was appreciative Despite the world literally falling to people pieces, falling to people, falling to people. <laughs> um, despite all of the stuff that was going on, it was really nice to to have that extra time with them, and mm. I think that was probably my um, kind of my silver lining. And also the fact that, like, for a while I didn't know what I was doing, and getting my MBA at Boise State was kind of a, I would probably say, last minute decision. Mm. Um, in my parents kind of convinced me to, to do it, which I'm, again, I'm really grateful that they did because if I didn't, I'd still probably be looking for a job. Yeah. So I, I think mostly family, just family for me was, was a good silver lining that I took away from quarantine. What about you? I knew this was coming to me. Oh, well, it had to, it had to come to you. You were expecting this. I was expecting this. <laughs> it was dangerously likely to happen. Oh my gosh. I'm usually the one to make that joke. I had to do it once. Um, I think for me, it was the self-reflection. I So before coming to Boise, I was able to do a lot of that because I was always on the road and always to myself. But I think being here challenged me to reflect on some aspects that I feel like at loss. Yeah. Just through age and growth and changes. Uh, you're kind of old, aren't you? Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm not dignifying <laughs> that out of the response. Um, but at the same time, it helped me kind of reflect and say like, here's how that's matured to where I am. And also just a reflection on like how grateful I am. I, I think it's safe to say that this time has been rough for millions of people, both in our country and around the world. Um, But I'm fortunate. I had a job that I felt was secure and is secure. Mm -hmm. Um, I had people, even though my family isn't close to me, I was still able to talk to them every day because of the rise of zoom and all of our other virtual things. We started doing more face-to-face things virtually. Um, But even at the same time, I was able to really reflect on what matters to me and how can I bring that into the work that I do and then have the opportunity to jump on a podcast with a friend and heck yeah, and show my passions there too, where I just, uh, there was a lot of reflection that helped me realize I'm fortunate. So that was my positive from the new normal. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I hope everyone's new normal is uh, going all right. Hmm. At least at the peak of the roller coaster. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure uh, you register to vote. Yes. Make a plan to vote if you haven't already. It's getting late. It is. It's getting late. If you have any questions about voting deadlines or um, registration guidelines, be sure to check out our social media at dangerously underscore likely. We're posting deadlines every week. 
every day, honestly. So states and people that we connect with know, people who listen to this podcast know, how can they be engaged this November? Um, And we also have a lot of links on our social media pages to connect you with the appropriate resources to register and get um, your ballot. Love that. Love that. Check our bio um, of this episode for um, in case you missed those apps for Instagram, Twitter, all that all information will all be in the bio. So check that. Be sure to subscribe so you get notifications every time we drop new episodes. Um, and also shoot us an email or a text if there's a topic that you want us to talk about or a question that you want us to answer. Or if you're like, I want to be featured. Yeah, we'll talk about that. If you want to be featured, let us give us a call. Give us a call. Give us a call. (laughs) I'm Caleb. I'm Terrell. And we're dangerously likely to see you next week. week.